The following pod contains spoilers. Listener discretion is advised. Hey, listener. Want to tell you about this new and exciting app we're on. It's called Shuffle. Shuffle allows you, the listener, to not just listen to our episodes, but also allows you to edit and snip audio clips, add visual elements, react, even share in your socials of specific moments of each episode. One of the reasons why I love Shuffle is that it's focused on the community aspect for podcast lovers. Because, you know, sometimes listening to an episode can feel a little bit lonely. Let's say you're working near a colleague or commuting on public transportation and you've got your AirPods on and you hear something funny or interesting from your podcast and you're smiling and you're giggling by yourself. All of a sudden you start getting strange looks from everyone. person next to you gets up and sits somewhere else and now everyone on the train thinks you're crazy. Well, guess what? You're no longer alone because with the Shuffle app, you can react and enjoy those moments with other listeners. We have a new community chat out there for all you fans who love AAPI cinema. You can chat with other fans, ask us questions, get film recommendations, or even recommend us films. Right now, we have a special offer for you. Shuffle is offering to sponsor 10 of our fans their first month on our Patreon. All you have to do is download the Shuffle app, join the Real Asian Podcast community chat, sign up for our Patreon, and we'll take care of the rest. We'll select 10 random people to sponsor their first month. That's right. We're so confident you'll enjoy the app and our content that we'll take care of the first month. So to join the community today, go to realasianpodcast.com slash shuffle. Again, super easy to remember, realasianpodcast.com slash shuffle. As an imported Asian adoptee or hyphenated Asian, are you looking for stories and people that you can relate to? Yes? Then check out The Universal Asian. The Universal Asian is an open platform run in a magazine style with written articles, poetry, prose, photos, art, and videos on a variety of topics. No topic is off limits. They host online events that showcase what members of the Universal Asian community are doing and provide support through how-tos and discussions on topics of interest. Visit and subscribe at theuniversalasian.com or follow them on your preferred social media platform. Join the Universal Asian community today. Welcome everyone to Real Asian Podcast. I am your host, Ray, and I am joined today with Alan and Renee. What's up, y'all? Hey. What's up? Ten rings. Uh, I'm still picking popcorn kernels out of my hair, guys. <laughs> Did you do you remember, Renee, that when uh, you said that you were high <laughs> when we wanted to go see the <laughs> Amazing. movie? Amazing. Okay, okay. So now I don't remember how much of the movie was like a crazy like trip out a hallucination dream or if it like literally was that fucking cool maybe a little bit of both possibly (laughs) you know friday night i think we were in the presence of something larger than life you know we got to see this hero who finally looked like us where he goes through this journey of confronting and connecting with his past trying to make amends with family having a complicated relationship with his dad you know, but ultimately realizing that he's he's on this pathway. He's on this pathway to a greater purpose with this amazing power that he has. But enough about me. Let's talk about <laughs> Shang-Chi, which opened on Friday, September 3rd, which we all want to go see. Directed by Destin Daniel Cretton, who you may know from Short Term 12, The Glass Castle, and Just Mercy. It stars Simu Liu, Aquafina, Michelle Yeoh, Tony Leung, Fala Chen, and Ming'er Zhang. I want to start with our love it and leave it segment, the segment where we point out something that we loved and something we'd leave about the movie. Renee, what's something you loved and something you'd leave? My love it and leave it. The depth of showing Wen Wu and, and Lee, um, Shang Chi's mother, just like spending that quality time with all of them. I think uh, as a parent, I was really happy to see. Uh, that their parents were just tiger parents the entire time, um, that there was depth to that love that they had. And shout out to that DDR scene. I mean, I used to work at Konami, so seeing the crumpled up dance mats like that they're all playing on, I just have to say, I did actually recently buy those soft mats, and so I started playing DDR as my little kid, too. Okay, but so. those soft mats are not the most... 
Oh no no, they're oh, on yeah, purpose. No. On purpose. They're right. It's your starter one. You have to go through uh, the fire of, and brimstone of the soft mats. <laughs> those those soft mats are dangerous because you could slip and hurt yourself, especially if you're doing like that slide move. That's right. <laughs> and my leave it is Disney. Can we please, please stop killing off moms? <laughs> We're in the 21st century. We don't need to keep on having Disney. Always got to start with the mom. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, Alan, what's your love it and leave it? I'll start off with uh, the leave it because I want to spend more time on love it. Leave it. Um, Disney, can you please stop killing good-looking Asian men? <laughs> Such an example, Tony Lung. I, I love his character. I love oh, the complexity God, love of his character. Uh, I'm a huge fan of his work. Yes. And to see his soul sucked out of his body like a goddamn like falling to a Dementor, um, <laughs> it, it saddened me because... I'm not sure if we're going to get more of him. So Disney, don't kill him off in the future installments if you're able to and bring him back in some way or capacity. I don't care that Tony Leung is six, almost 60 years old. I'd suck his soul. <laughs> Whoa there. Whoa. Jesus. Shoot my shot. <laughs> I'd give him some 10 rings. Uh, but, but my love it is the fight scenes. I, I'm a mm -hmm. huge proponent of watching good fight scenes in any movie. Now, the reason why I love it so much in this movie is because a couple things. Um, I did watch the abomination known as Iron Fist. And <laughs> oh my God. That, oh man. that white boy, would no, he should never get anywhere near anything resembling martial arts again. And that left <laughs> a poor taste in my mouth. And then, of course, like the other Marvel movies, other than the CGI renditions where they have like Hulk fighting Iron Man, um, the Hulk or whatever, where everything is CGI'd, yeah. the majority of Marvel fight scenes. And most action scenes are fucking terrible in Hollywood because they have quick cuts, quick edits, dark scenes, and they don't show the actual impact of the punches. But in Shang-Chi, they actually know how to fucking fight. And so you get to see the visceral nature of how fights are actually supposed to look. It's not like John Wick where you see everything. But I love the fact that um, the director here re recognized that if we're going to make a legitimate kung fu movie... In, in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, we need to have people work their ass off and make scenes look realistic. So I love that. Shout out to Brad Allen, who is the fight choreographer. Uh, this is actually one of the last movies he did. He also uh, did the choreography for The Kingsman that's coming out. Yep. And uh, he died very suddenly. He was only like 47 years old. Uh, he's actually the first white person to be on Jackie Chan's stunt team. Did you guys know that? Mm, he is Jackie Chan's at quote unquote favorite protege. Nice. So uh yeah, he went on to do lots and lots of movies with Jackie Chan coordinating things. So, you know, they dedicated the movie to uh Brad Allen. Yes. The legend. Uh one thing my love it and leave it is I love the when I was watching the movie, I, what I realized I love seeing on screen is like the passing of the guards or passing of the torch, if you will, with legends like Tony Leung and Michelle Yeoh on screen and seeing them working with actors like Simu Liu and Aquafina. There's, there's like one generation where known Asian actors who have been in everything, right? We, we, the most iconic Asian slash Asian American films you can think of, Tony Leung or Michelle, you know, comes to mind. And then you're seeing like this generational pass of now Simu is in this position to be like the next big thing. And so I can imagine on set while they're in between breaks, they're sharing knowledge, they're, they're sharing tidbits, acting like stories, experiences. It's also shown on screen, right? There's just like that interaction. So it was really cool. The thing that I would leave, this is more relating, pertaining to maybe like just the story, is that I kind of wish that Shang-Chi had a little bit of more of an internal struggle on his choice to kill his dad. Like I get that he has a lot he had a lot of bottled up resentment towards him, but it was just that scene where he's sitting alone and Aquafina goes up behind him and she's just like, you know, hey, what are you thinking? Basically. And he's like, mm, I'm gonna kill my dad. And then just like walks away. And <laughs> she's like, okay. <laughs> all right. <laughs> yeah, all right. Cool. I was just gonna ask, like, are you hungry? But you know, whatever. <laughs> I think it's really hard because they, they did bring it up at the very beginning. He's like centuries old, like nearly godlike, basically because of the Ten Rings. And so yeah. he's done a lot of atrocious things. 
and like he tried to leave it all behind to be a domesticated father but you don't like basically the montages that you see it's not that he hates his father he hates that fucking masked trainer who's like whips him every time he like stops oh death dealer that's the best name Right, you know, so I I didn't feel like there was a connection to him wanting to kill or stop his father. I felt like he actually wanted like revenge on on the mask person, the Death Dealer. Yeah, yeah. My actually, I'm all kind of sad about that too. Death Dealer had a kind of cool setup, but then like died so anticlimactically. Yeah, <laughs> it it reminds me of uh, one of the characters in Star Wars, the Chrome Stormtrooper, who had yes. like a really amazing show in the trailer. You're like, oh shit, here we yeah. go. This this is a badass. Yeah, and like. It was Brienne of Tarth from Game of Thrones. And then she's like, yeah, exactly. She just falls to the, the fire. Nothing. <laughs> Disney, come on. You can't hype people up and then just do nothing. So can I just ask you guys really quickly, like, how did it feel to be able to have someone who looked like you, like, you know, like, handsome, swole, super cut, you know, like... I, I honestly didn't think it was that great because it didn't look like me. I'm way better looking than that. So <laughs> F minus <laughs> to uh, Simu there. He could have done a lot better. <laughs> you're, you're looking at his body you're like oh man i, I, I saw that i was like come on simu you're like only eight packs i have 12 okay i was like simu you got to remove five more percent of that body fat baby <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah it was amazing no but uh in, in seriousness it was a, a very amazing feeling to see a big superhero face to like on screen like that and the way that it was presented so it was it was really great to see yeah it was a bit jarring at first because it's weird to calibrate what you're used to seeing in terms of a superhero when you see someone who kind of looks like you. But it was just fascinating to see him be the center of attention rather than us Asian folks being relegated to a side sidekick role. So that was really fantastic to see him be the lead. You, you guys talked about the fight choreography. Uh, tell me what are some of your favorite fight scenes? Because I think what I loved about Shang-Chi is that it really went into it immediately. So it, it definitely had a very fast pace. I feel like we should maybe just start in chronological order. So I'll go first. I loved the opening um, Wuxia-styled oh, fighting between Wenwu and Li because it makes it really draws you in. You're like, oh, here we go. This is the kind of movie it is. It is definitely right. action-packed. And, you know, I, I definitely would say, like, I love the fantasy classical style of it because it actually had what paid it homage. It did not feel like it was just like tacked on or just like appropriating it at all. Um, you know, I really did feel like they did carry the mo- motifs that you would normally see and they did yeah. it in a tasteful way. So very artistic and like romantic in a way, right? I mean, when she got, had the bamboo and the leaves kind of going around them. And then for anyone who has not listened to our Grandmaster episode, go and watch the movie, Yeah, listen to that episode, because basically there are a lot of motifs um, with homages. it that mirrored yeah. on top of each other. And it was just like that kinetic feeling of closeness was like a dance and also like sex scene and things like that. So, you know, sex. perfect, artistic. Loved it. Martial arts sex. <laughs> exactly. uh, to add to what Renee said really quickly, uh, when he got dumped into the water, I was thinking, oh, he got dropped into her wetness. And all, I was like, oh, this is about to go down. Like, that's like a representation of how oh, wet. That's what she was doing. Face <laughs> in on that wet ass pond. Yeah, because when he, when he got out the water, he was like, oh, <laughs> Anyways, favorite fight scene? Easily the bus scene. Well, the reason why I love that so much is because I think Marvel has a tendency to have fight scenes that are fantastical. Like they, uh, they, they're, they're visceral in nature where they, you, there's no actual fighting style. It's just like throw a punch and you're so powerful a person's face falls off. But I think with Shang-Chi in that first fight scene, it, it showed that there's actually a method to the madness. So the the slow mo the 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 way the bus changed and the way that Simu like he he puts his jacket on and when he puts a jacket on he punches the guy with his freaking elbow. Um, everything about that fight scene was incredible. Um, I broke it down to three distinct areas in the film. So the first one was like street fighting martial arts that's like kind of MMA style, and then the second part was like this whole wushu style like. Blending in East Asian type of martial arts movie, uh, martial arts uh, film. And then the third act is like 
Marvel like being fucking Marvel with fucking dragons fighting and fantastical elements. I was not expecting dragons in it. I was like, damn. I was okay. like, okay, <laughs> Marvel's gonna Marvel and uh Dracarys. Yeah. So I, I I thought it was great. I, I the three distinct acts of martial arts brought in there, but my favorite was the first one because it, it felt really real. Yeah, like street fight. Yeah, there you go. My favorite fa- fight scene, there was a lot. And I did, I loved how there was so much fight, actual fight choreography. It was action-packed, right? I would say my favorite fight scene, probably with Shang-Chi and his sister, Xiaoling, uh, I think. Because it wasn't even really like an actual fight. Like they weren't actually trying to hurt each other. But obviously, the, the, you know, him being very defensive and trying to deflect her attacks and she was kind of going at it. And then he's like, I'm not going to hurt you. And then... She's like starting to walk away and then it like cuts to like them growing up. And, and, and immediately when, when they were showing the motivation or w- the impetus of like why she was mad at him in the first place. And I was like, oh man, she's going to hurt him real bad. And it cuts back to the, the ring and she kicks him right in the face. And I was like, oh, <laughs> it was perfect. But yeah, that was definitely my favorite fight scene. I think the bus scene too was definitely one of my top because it reminded me a lot like speed where Aquafina is controlling the bus. Uh, let's see. And then also the, the, the fight between Wenwu and Shang-Chi with like the rings where Shang-Chi starts controlling the, the rings. And I'm like, ooh, yeah. shit, here we go. That was really good. Yeah, that was good. That was, a, that was definitely one of my favorite fight scenes. Yeah. One of the things I definitely want to bring up is that because Brad Allen is part of the Jackie Chan stunt team, he was already very familiar with the physicality of yep. that t- those types of fight scenes. And so they actually built the bus scene to be like higher stakes progressively as the fight continued going on, right? Right. Because at first right. it just kind of starts with like fighting, pushing back and forth inside. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then they like, cut the center out. And then of it the, cuts right? all. It's like, oh, shit. Right, exactly. All of that. All of those were to, to make it seem more and more high stakes. So you felt more and more invested. Because if they started off going crazy, I think it would have been much harder to digest. But the way that they did it was perfect. That scene was definitely the tone setter of the movie. Yeah, Agreed. definitely. Agreed. Any standout performances? There was a plethora of talent on screen. But any standout performances that you just walked away and was like, that person did an amazing job. Uh, Rich Brian actually deserves stand-up performance because that music is popping mm. throughout the entire mm, that's thing. That's a good one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, Doesn't have to be on screen. But uh, yes, uh, 88 Rising was definitely a part of like almost nearly every single song in there. Yeah. So um, I really appreciated like being able to see just like Asian influences throughout. Um, yep. On the screen itself, um, Simu Liu. I mean, like if you only knew him, hunka hunka, <laughs> from Kim's Convenience, where he plays a Korean boy, even though he's Chinese. Um, eh, you know, <laughs> you know that I know, right? It's like it's Asian, it's Asian. <laughs> yeah, Asian. Uh, you you only know him as like you know the hunkster who's you know coming to age and things like that, and he, you know he's funny, yeah. but you don't know that he's got like all that. You know, he's got range. Like, really depth, like, lots of range. Lots of range once he took off his shirt. Damn yeah. right. All that range, you know what I'm saying? You can wash <laughs> your clothes on that range. Yes. <laughs> How about you, Alan? I would say Tony Lung. He's able to act with his eyes. I think one reason yeah. why I really love seeing him in, the, in Hollywood now is yeah. we get to see all the amazing talent that he brings from Hong Kong cinema over into Hollywood. So, uh, I re- initially... I didn't like his character that much because I was like, ah, like, come on, dude. Like, it's not your fucking wife. But after thinking about it some more and sitting on it, like, he was able to convey that he cares so much about his family and the way he acts with uh, the, the, the look of guilt, the look of uh, survivor's guilt, the look of determination to do the right thing for his family. He, he's able to portray all of that in very subtle facial expressions. And I thought about how I connected with his character a lot more because his character and how relatable it made his character, despite the fact he has mystical powers and ten rings. I didn't realize that this was Tony Leung's entry into Hollywood I, because mm-hmm. I've you know watched Hong Kong cinema nearly all of my life, and so I felt so. Then knowing that, I felt like he was like this little secret that we were all little gem that we were ho- yeah holding right. It was just like ooh, it, he's he's the best. I mean, like he's worked with. 
giants like Ang Lee and Wong Kar Wai. You know, it's just like you. We already know the gravitas that he brings, right? So yeah, I one thousand percent agree with you, Alan. So the uninitiated would be like. Oh, that that person who played Wen Wu—he's he's an amazing actor. Oh my god! Yeah, we know, we know. It was like that time when uh, Kanye West um, collaborated with uh, Paul McCartney, and people were like, "Oh, who's that old guy? He's actually pretty good." <laughs> he should be in music. Wow! I know. <laughs> oh, youngsters. Are you are you guys a little glad that this movie was Tony Leung's introduction to Hollywood and not Mulan? Oh, oh my god! god. <laughs> oh my god! There's no there's no coming back from that movie. Thank God he was in a movie that was much more thought out. So, yeah. yes, oh I'm glad he was not in Mulan. We always try to take a shot at Mulan when we get a chance. We have to. <laughs> uh, what about, and, and I love, I did like Aquafina's performance in here. So that um, one of my standout performances, any, any time with a comic relief, like the first couple of jokes that they land, you're always kind of like, okay, that was good, but... Is this going to get tiring or is this, you know, is it going to be too much? That's always the concern with these movies and stuff like that. But I think Aquafina did a pretty good job of kind of balancing it with some comic relief, but actual like sensible contribution to the story. Stuff like obviously she was very important with shooting the arrow to the demon dragon thing. Um, but I wanted to know, I wanted to get your guys' thoughts on the sort of not really romantic relationship between Shang-Chi and Katie. Because there was a couple of times where I felt like they were going to kiss or there was going to be a kissing scene, but there wasn't. I don't know how I feel about it. Maybe there will be because I think we're starting to see like the budding relationship that they have. But we'll know. I've, what do you think, Alan? On one end, I don't always want romance in a Marvel film because it feels so forced because you're fucking fighting demons. You don't have time mm-hmm. to get it in, bro. But on the other hand, I thought about it and thought, you know, how come how come my man Simu can't get it in? I'm not trying to objectify. I'm just saying like, how come he can't like, you know, get, he can't get in the end zone. How how come? But then also I recognize thinking about it. If they're, if Marvel's really trying to flesh out a romance in, um, in this storyline, I actually want it to be legitimate because to be completely honest, I didn't get any like romantic chemistry from the film when I was watching it, mm-hmm. I just felt it was more like, you know, he's just trying to protect her and be her friend right. and so on and so forth. Um, but if there's future installments where they're constantly together, like, yeah, you could, you could see, you could see it happening. I agree with you, Alan. I prefer actually that it wasn't romantic and not because of the fact that understanding like Asian cinema and Asian men and how they've been emasculated over the cent of like the decades since I I understand where you're coming from, where like that's a stereotype that Asian men are like not like not sexual at all. Um, not me, baby. I am all. I preferred uh, honestly. I preferred that it, it was platonic. We need more just friend duels, right? And so Ray, your comment about you thought they were going to kiss a couple of times. Like I was thinking, like not. I was not thinking the opposite. I didn't think like. Mm. I was trying to put myself in like a younger kids, you know, who's seen it like with their family or whatever. I, and honestly, like, you know why? It's because I think Asian parents going to ta- watch it with their kids would like make them close their eyes or something if they did. Oh, my God. Kissing. Exactly. Don't look. <laughs> <laughs> Gratuitous violence. That's fine. Kissing. Holy shit. No. Not yeah. Yeah. After, you, know? Like, yeah. <laughs> you know, kicking people off buildings and scaffolding. That's OK. But kissing. Oh, no. Exactly. <laughs> it's, it's like when my parents used brought me to watch Titanic and like you see people falling and dying. But the moment the hand was on the window, they're like, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> Too much <laughs> sexiness there. You're looking at the, 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 the naked. Look at it. The naked. Like, <laughs> the, 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 the sexy. The sexy. That's what our parents used to say. <laughs> I think Shang-Chi is the only male superhero that does not have, who did not have an immediate romantic interest. Again, you know, we could see in the future of how the relationship between Shang-Chi and Katie develops could be more like a long-term thing. And I'm also curious in terms of where Katie is going to fit in the larger MCU universe because is she an Avenger now too? Because she was, you hmm. know, Wong invited Shang Chi and Katie. Well, they already. Well, Wong already knows, right? He he already knows what's going down. I I would definitely say that I was trying to think about it. Like who? Black Widow, Hawkeye. Like I don't think they had 
they're actually a friendship duel too, right? They don't. There's have... some sexual tension in the beginning. Of course, <laughs> but they were a friendship duel. First of all, Hawkeye is married with. I know. Kids. I was gonna say he's married though. Like, mm. <laughs> uh, Black Widow has the Hulk. Uh, Steve Rogers obviously has Agent uh, Peggy, and then um, Thor has Jane. Yeah. Doctor Strange doesn't have. He had Christine. Chris- uh, yeah. Yeah. No. Okay. Yeah, yeah, I think Shang Chi is the only one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah but again, okay. we'll see, we'll see. Um, before we go into a break, obviously, this movie had such a large impact on the Asian community, Asian American community. Having a big blockbuster commercial success like this means so much, and you know, we always talk about representation, the importance of it. Um, but at the end of the day, going into the movie, one of the things I think we mentioned this in our season two wrap up when we were when I asked about it, my fear was, is it going to pander to us, like to an audience? I I think Marvel was acutely aware that they were going to make a movie that wanted to do justice when it comes to representing a certain community. But are they going to pander like, this is Asian culture. This is like, this is us being authentic, right? For example, Mulan, again, one last stab. (laughs) But I wanted to ask you guys if there, what about Shang-Chi in terms of the cultural nods and subtleties they did it in a way that made it feel somewhat authentic. Maybe in a way where it wasn't even just in your face and they weren't pandering, but it just like colored the movie to make it feel more authentic. I think what made it more authentic was the fact that um, you had Asians of every persuasion. Not, I mean, East Asians of every persuasion. Yeah. We knew it's going to be... When they wo- opened it up with Wuxia, um right. fighting style, we knew it was going to be Chinese, right? And so um, I would definitely say like, you know, Disney did not do well with Mulan. Um, and they sort of were definitely kind of pandering with Raya, which shout out to Water Dragon Sisu and then also Aquafina seeing the Water Dragon there. So I just feel like she just she just loves Water Dragons. Yeah. Also, um, Renee, uh, did you pick up to where in Raya, Aquafina got shot by an arrow, but in Shang-Chi, Aquafina was the one who was shooting yes! there. Yes. She's like, take that shot bitch. <laughs> It's like, how's it feel, bitch? <laughs> She's like, my turn. So, you know, and so the thing that was um, I was most worried about, I was waiting for the super heavily CGI portion of it, which was definitely going to be Talo, right? So as mm-hmm. soon as they had Morris, who actually is the MVP, Morris is the MVP of the entire movie. <laughs> that little cute um, turkey thing. Um, I was worried that Talo was going to be CGI to hell, but I actually Mm -hmm. was okay with it looking a little weird, semi-realistic, super glossy, because Talo is this mystical area of the world. And when you take a look at the way that they represented the mystical creatures that are a lot of times in like the, you know, classical drawings and things like that, like Mm -hmm. they did a pretty good job. I actually thought it was really good. So did it feel like it was pandering? I actually thought they were trying to uncover how real life and the fantasy world kind of mixed together. I'm sure I'm sure we're gonna get tons of hate from people who are like, no, this is not an accurate representation. <laughs> I mean, you can't make everyone happy, you know. I know. It is. How about you, Alan? What is anything that you picked up in terms of cultural nods and subtleties? So we watched this with my girlfriend Cindy, and you know, she speaks Chinese, so that's very helpful. Um, there, w- there was one saying that really, uh, you know, that she laughed her ass off. Uh, it's when um, Tony Leung's character was at Talo and the old man in the village, who was also the landlord in Kung Fu Hustle. Guangbo. Well, the character's name is Guangbo, but yeah. yeah. Um, so, like, Tony Leung's character said to him, like, he's like, he said in Chinese, um, I've eaten more salt than you've eaten rice. Now, the direct translation in the movie made no fucking sense. He's like, I've lived 10 times of your lifetime. This kind of correct, but the reason why the cultural impact of the original with the direct translation in Chinese was more impactful is because it's meant to imply that in Chinese culture, like salt is not like a typical dietary, dietary thing that you eat. So by saying that he's consumed something that's in smaller and fewer quanti- quantity, than rice, which is a significantly huge amount of quantity that you eat, it implies that you've lived so much longer than the other person that you've eaten a smaller quantity of stuff that outweighs something that folks typically eat. So wow. it's a boomer saying, uh, Asian boomer saying. So. <laughs> Asian boomer. It really wow. is. How great would it have been if Guangbo said, okay, boomer. <laughs> <laughs> that would have been amazing. 
uh, the reason why I know that was like a boomer saying is because like, you know, I've, I've pierced through like some of the internet forums and like, you know, a lot of the Asian folks who've watched in Singapore, Hong Kong, like, oh, they're laughing their ass off because they're like, that's exactly what my parents would say to me. Because in the, in the caption, it said, I've lived more life lifetimes than you have, old man, or like young man. Young man, that's young right. Man. But the direct Chinese, when he said it in Chinese, the direct translation is, I've eaten more salt than you've eaten. Rice. But but if they had that in the subtitles, uh, people who don't know Chinese are like, what? Definitely would not <laughs> yeah. have gotten it. Yeah. So can I interject here? Is it really pandering then if the director is Asian, the screenwriters are Asian, the producers are Asian, the actors are Asian from not just the diaspora, but also from mainland? Like, is like is it really pandering then? I mean, it feels like it's pretty authentic. Definitely. That is the difference there. They, they did it with intention and care i guess what like the thing for me was like it was normal it felt normal seeing an actor like simu lu play this larger than life character it wasn't an introduction to say oh you're the first asian superhero like in the movie i mean we were aware of that and that was kind of like the draw about it but at the end of the day it was more so about the introduction of shang chi the, the comic book character into the MCU. And even though Shang-Chi isn't necessarily like top tier when it comes to known superheroes, like when you compare with like Iron Man, Captain America and all that stuff, Wolverine, Spider-Man, but he's also such a mainstay in the comic book lore, right? He's considered the best hand-to-hand combat fighter and that is literally his superpower. But you know, it's kind of like Batman. Like Batman's not really a superhero. He's just really smart and really buff. No, his his power is that he has a lot of Benjamins. <laughs> yeah, <he's, laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. But I guarantee you, no one knew who Star-Lord was. They did not even give a Exactly, fuck. right. And Guardians exactly. of the Galaxy yep. is one of the top franchises, right? Right, exactly. And so, yeah, because I don't, I don't think at any point in the movie, I have to watch it again, I don't think at any point in the movie, none of the characters were like, in Chinese culture, we do this. Because that is when... The, the screenplay, the, the writers are saying, let me write this line of dialogue to explain a culture to non, you know, Chinese audiences. Yeah, agreed. Like one thing that I thought was really, that actually showed realistic cultural relevancy was uh, when um, Simu's character went to Aquafina's home. And, you know, they spoke Chinese. Mm-hmm. But then when, when, when Katie was... Um, around and whatever like they they spoke more english because it reflects that like when you have folks who can't speak the language that well they revert to english like parents always do that for the sake of the children um unless they're talking shit about you unless they're talking shit yeah. about you yeah so like they don't they don't need to like directly <laughs> say like oh like katie's here i can't speak chinese like we know that's already gonna happen um and like i like that they like um broke some of the stereotypes without having to say they broke the stereotype so like they adhere, they recognize that they were being fucking lazy. They're not living up to their potential, but they weren't saying it directly by saying like, you're so smart. You would. Okay. By the way, they did shout out. She did go to Berkeley. Go Bears. But, <laughs> oh my God, but it was funny because that, like, it's so I true. Elbowed, I elbowed Alan. I was like, oh, <laughs> honors and Cal. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> it's so like, true though. Like they don't need to. I'll be honest. There are some like Asian Cal grads who are fucking lazy, but it's chill <laughs> and it's normal. And like, I liked that the film call that out. So I, I love that. Speaking of that scene, there's a part where I think it was Katie's mom. They were talking about the grandpa who had passed away. And they referenced that in American culture, death is final, right? That is the end of the journey. When we know that in Eastern philosophies, that is not the, not the case. There's a beyond afterlife kind of thing. Noting that that is American culture, saying that's usually what Americans think. Yes, that's true because my parents say that all the time. This is kind of what American culture is about. But 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 the pandering part is if the mother was like, but you know, in Chinese culture, we believe yeah. death is good. and like explaining away. But we didn't have that. We didn't need that. It was kind mm-hmm. of like yes, it's true. I mean, there's just a difference in philosophies. But uh, it was so funny too. Had the grandma was like, uh, yeah, I put a bottle of whiskey on your grandpa's grave, and the next day it was gone. I was like, oh, that's great. Yeah. That was great. <laughs> Laughed. I I chortled at that. I mean, <laughs> that also shout funny. out Auntie Lindo from Joy Luck Club. That was, yep. that was yes. her. Yeah, OG yes. OG. I wanted to note that like if they were in San Francisco's Chinatown, 
the, they would have been speaking either Cantonese or some other dialect. And yeah. I felt like when they were doing Mandarin, it felt that took me out of the experience, actually. Mm. But I understand, like, they were doing some. It's well known Disney always tries to penetrate China with every movie that they come out. Penetrate. This is the first legitimate <laughs> installment that did not feel forced. It really did feel. So I understand that they were doing Mandarin for the audience that they were trying to make the movie for. The other cultural subtlety, um, one of the themes from the movie is the balance uh, between Wenwu and Li uh, because her, her fighting, there are differences in fighting style, but also just like approaches. He is very aggressive and uh, he's offensive when her fighting style is defensive and reflective. And so there's that yin and yang portion of it. Yeah. And even with like the dragons fighting, they're always kind of circling in a yin yang pattern. Without drawing out a yin Without right? drawing it, right? Oh, but it yeah. was like just that whole through line throughout the movie is like, oh, okay, this is the yin and yang kind of part of, part of it, and which is pretty prominent. But again, not not like fully leaning into it. Right. And that's why they had the blue and the red between the yeah. old and the yep. new, right? There was a and lot the contrasting of, colors, yeah. I, the, I have to give props to the director because of the fact that it was very cyclical. It, it, it had mm-hmm. hallmarks of like greatness, like Wong Kar Wai, who does also very cyclical storylines too. And the, the way that they use the uh, flashbacks as a, as a direction to move the story along was always tasteful beautiful done in a a great way to really add like additional punch to it so they didn't show the entirety of Wenwu and Lee's you know love story but they interjected it in appropriate times and uncovered it more and more so it really felt like this is going to sound silly but it really felt like it really felt like a lotus flower opening up in the many different petals. And so instead of saying the, the many onion layers, the many lotus flower petals, that really made it so it felt very rich and deep. Okay, let's go ahead and take a break and we'll return talk more about Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. Annie's Tea Cakes is an Oakland-based food company on a mission to provide plant-based Chinese food options to the world. Wow! As a longtime plant-based eater, Annie started this business to create a way for herself and others to enjoy the foods that are often shared with family but don't fit a plant-based diet. You know, this journey started with vegan Taiwanese pineapple cakes. That sounds amazing, I'll tell you that right now. Follow Annie's Tea Cakes on Instagram or go to anyseacakes.com to place your order today. Experiences by K is the Bay Area luxury picnic business that can be set up just about anywhere from the beach, park, your backyard, and more. Simply go to the website, book your picnic, show up, and enjoy a good time with your friends. Worry-free. Great for birthdays, anniversaries, proposals, and you name it. Go to experiencesbyk.com right now for your upcoming occasion. And check out Experiences by K on Instagram. That's Experiences by K. And now, back to the show. All righty, folks. We are back from our break. Talk more about Shang-Chi. I wanted to go over some of the differences, but also talk about just like the publication and history and origin story of the of Shang-Chi like in the comics. So Shang-Chi the comics uh, was co-created by Steve Englehart and Jim Starlin sometime in late 1972. And at the time, Marvel Comics wanted to acquire the rights to adapt the Kung Fu TV program. You know, the one where they casted David Carradine as the main protagonist instead of Bruce Lee, which we now know was like the worst mistake in TV history. Oh, you mean the person who died of audio uh, auto asphyxiation in the closet in Thailand? That that guy? Mm, wow. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, anyways, the the problem was that Kung Fu, the the TV show, was owned by Warner Brothers, which also owns DC Comics. So when Marvel wanted the rights to the show, DC Comics was like, ha ha, no. So instead, Marvel acquired the pulp villain Fu Manchu, created by Sax Romer. From that point. They created Shang-Chi, who would be the son of Fu Manchu. Now, 
We don't see Fu Manchu in the movie, mainly because why, Renee? He's a character from Hollywood, um, a, a, a creation uh, from the early 1900s where, where they needed the scary Chinese boogeyman. Um, and so he has, you know, the hallmarks of the taped back eyelids, the Yikes. little teeny tiny mustache and the really long goatee kind of um, beard and just every single stereotype yellow face thing you can think of. Super problematic. It reflected the times of how people, the, the attitudes that people saw um, Chinese people, which we now know, very problematic. But yes, Fu Manchu, the character in the comics, basically perpetuated all the racist stereotypes and tropes that uh, Renee just went over. So number one, good on Marvel for, uh, or Marvel Studios for deciding not to bring, the, to bring that character on screen. That would have been really bad. Um, in the comics, though, going back to the comics, Shang-Chi is groomed to be like the ultimate killer that we also see in the movies. So at this point, Shang-Chi believes that his father is this amazing man and is willing to do anything at his beck and call. And Shang-Chi is sent to kill a man named Dr. James Petrie, who Fu Manchu tells his son is a threat to peace. However, when Shang-Chi goes to kill the doctor, he, he's, he, at this point, he's a frail old man, telling Shang-Chi, but I'm old. How could I possibly be a threat? <laughs> but he kills him anyways. And he kills him with like a single karate chop. So he's like, shut up, old man. Hiya! <laughs> um, and and, and in, after the comics, uh, after he kills Dr. James Petrie, he, he sees a man, he meets a man named Sir Dennis Nayland Smith, who tells Shang-Chi who his father really is, is this evil being. Conflicted, he goes to see his mom and learns that it's all true. So the mom corroborates what this guy says. Like, yes, by the way, he is true. In the comics, she's, she's a white woman. And she tells Shang-Chi that the only reason why she married Fu Manchu was for his power and not love. <laughs> so she's like literally saying, like, I literally just, I kind of just married him for his power. I'm just going to be real with you. I just sucked his dick. <laughs> yeah. That's where power came out of. Yeah, so that is basically <laughs> the, the origin of Shang-Chi. And obviously we see now that the MCU somewhat pulled elements of that, leaving some things out. The Mandarin does tie into it. They try to explain a way where we see the quote-unquote Mandarin in Iron Man 3, but Tony Young's character, Wen Wu, says, like, yeah, I'm the real Mandarin. What happened was American terrorists basically appropriated my name and turned it into whole something else. And that's where Trevor Slattery kind of comes in to be that bridge. I'm so glad they retconned that. I'm I'm serious. Like, they really needed to do that. I think they knew that they wanted to do that. And in fact, Shang-Chi, the movie, is actually like over a 10-year work in progress. Mm. So the original was Stan Lee back in the 1980s, actually was talking to Brandon Lee, yeah. Bruce Lee's mm. son, right, to play Shang-Chi. And the reason was because um, Shang-Chi is actually modeled after Bruce Lee. Yeah. So it felt like yeah. a really good homage and a really good, instead of it being like a terrible appropriation, it would feel like it would come back into being like fully actualized. I don't think I would have watched Shang-Chi whatever it would have been in the 80s, but Brandon, oh, yeah. that would have been amazing to be able to have it kind of come back in, in, in that regard. But uh, basically, uh, even Ang Lee came on um, as a director. Rights expired and it went back to Marvel. And then it basically has just been something that they've been trying to work on and create since, um, you know, early 2000s. And hmm. here we are today. Uh, yeah. I, you know, and. During the time, you know, the 1970s, this is martial arts and kung fu was like huge. At its height. Right. Yeah. yeah. People in Hollywood were getting introduced to it, all thanks to Bruce Lee. So a lot of people were fascinated and infatuated with this whole hey, thing. what was his favorite drink? Water! <laughs> <laughs> oh, Jesus. It's okay, I can say this because I love him. And I'm actually Asian. <laughs> there you go, exactly. <laughs> so, so the movie came out this past Labor Day weekend. Uh, it's probably still counting uh, the numbers now. But Alan, what was the the numbers behind the movie with opening weekend? Yeah, it basically pulled in seventy five, or it was estimated to pull in seventy five to eighty five million dollars over Labor Day weekend. As it stands right now, we're currently at eighty three million dollars full pulled in for the weekend, and that's gonna completely blow out of the original estimate. The original estimate was actually uh, before the seventy-five to eighty-five million dollar 
range was 60 million. Mm. So the fact that um, a combination of uh, a great movie, obviously, and favorable reviews from critics and also favorable reviews from audience members alike, the movie has exceeded expectations. Now, the reason why this is important is let's go back to the original controversy of like Disney CEO saying like, oh, this is an experiment. Oh, I'll go, I'll go over that in a second. Oh, even better. It goes to show that there is still a high demand for um, Asian-led characters in a film with the preface of that being uh, in a Marvel superhero cinematic universe. So, yeah, and let's take a look at the latest, um, the 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 latest critic review um, between Black Widow, which was the last MCU um, movie, to Shang Chi and. Black Widow has 79% critic review with 423 reviews in 91% audience with ten, over 10,000 reviews, right? Mm. And as it stands right now, Shang-Chi has 92% critic review with uh, with 233 reviews, so like half of Black Widow, but much higher at 92% versus the 79%. And audience, it actually was at 100%, but as they start coming in, it's at over 5,000 and it's at 98% audience, almost 100, right? So, you know, uh, I'm sure his Asian parents are very upset at him. Why not? Why not? <laughs> why not 100? Why not 100? <laughs> but Renee, I mean, what are your thoughts in terms of what that means, though? What, so here, here's my thoughts on what that means. Basically, during the pandemic, we saw a huge rise in anti-Asian hate. And when they when they polled people, can you name an Asian person, Asian American person? Forty percent of people could barely name one person who wasn't who. In the end, it was Bruce Lee. So the fact that we're actually bringing Asian cinema, Asian American diasporas um, to the mainstream, and that it's so strong, I really feel like this is something kind of like a retribution <laughs> uh, you know, like it just, it feels good. It feels good to be able to have this representation um, and be mainstream. Uh, okay. So I do want to talk about the little tiff between Simu and Bob Chapek, a little controversy. This was, this happened leading up to the release. So I just want to provide context for those that don't know. Disney CEO Bob Chapek said during an earnings call while discussing future plans for theatrical releases, called Shang-Chi's release, quote, an interesting experiment for us as the film was only doing a 45-day theatrical release window. They weren't planning on releasing it on Disney Plus Premiere Access, which they did do with Black Widow, which they also had trouble with, uh, with another controversy. So it's like damned if you do, damned if you don't kind of thing. Uh, and, you know, there's reasons why they got in trouble for that. Anyways, from that, Simu responded on his social media, quote, We are not the experiment. We are the underdog, the underestimated. We are the ceiling breakers. We are the celebration of culture and joy that will persevere after an embattled year. We are the surprise. I'm fired the fuck up to make history on September 3rd. Join us! <laughs> uh, <laughs> I don't know if Simu actually said it like that. I just imagine he was probably very worked up about it. But Simu was asked about this further in an interview he did with the Asian Enough podcast by the LA Times, great podcast by the way, where he he didn't he didn't walk he didn't take well, it. I back. walked it back a teeny bit, teeny yeah. bit. He more so deflected it. So they basically asked him like, "What did you? Where were you coming from when you said something like that?" And he basically prefaced it by saying he and Disney are on the same page. He's like, "Look, Disney and I have always been on the same side, wanting this film to be successful." And he didn't want to make it seem like he was criticizing Bob Chapek because if he was, he was also mm. criticizing Disney, the conglomerate that controls all of our <laughs> lives. The mouse. Big brother mouse. Exactly. And, and that he was more speaking about what was going on in the media, what you referenced, Renee, about the anti-Asian stuff. So he said, mm-hmm. he's like, I was just really fired up about the movie. But Alan, your thoughts in terms of the controversy, if, it, if Simu... Was coming correct, or where where are your thoughts with that? Well, I, I've changed my positions a couple times, but I, I'm going to lean back to the fact that I think I see it from both sides. But I more lean towards the CEO because I've been in business for a while. I was going to say 
Well, who's a normal person listening to earnings calls? I'm yeah, serious. I, it's okay. I've been on earnings calls. I've I listen to earnings calls and, because you have a finance background. Yeah, I have a finance background. So, like, who's non finance who does not listen to earnings calls? So I get it. Like, as an Asian person, like it, facing the whole AAPI hate, where like maybe we're not as in the forefront as we often are. Like, I'll be honest. Like the the words that Bob chose could have been you know, thought of a bit more. But to be honest, like, it was an experimental release. So like the words could have been chosen differently. But as someone of finance background, like, Simu, like, you got to chill out, like, not everything has to be like as an attack on us, because like, this movie was done in order for us to portray Asian Americans. And the, the fact that they were willing to put this in theaters before releasing in uh, Disney streaming, shows that like there's a trust and there's a belief that there's going to be some success behind it. And clearly, I know this is retrospect speaking, there is because we broke all Labor Day movie records. So um, I, I think Simu was just fired up and, and wanted to take advantage of the, and this is free marketing, uh, but take advantage of the fact that there's, we, we are more than just an experiment, but in reality, he was just talking about the fact that they were releasing in theaters first before. Right. So Let's and let's just be real, you know. Uh, Marvel president uh, Kevin Feige he even came out and he said, "Look, it was in a misappropriated, misquote soundbite that basically was um, out of context, and people just kind of ran with it. And when yeah, you put Shang Chi in experiment in the same sentence, it definitely was something that could absolutely be misconstrued, especially if you're only reading headlines." Exactly. Okay, I first want to say, as an Asian American, I appreciate Simu having the knee-jerk reaction to stand up for his community. I like want to start there. When there's any sense of doubt about the success of an Asian-led or Asian-centric movie in today's climate, or really any non-white-led movie, there's, a, there's going to be some sensitivities around how people characterize it or how they describe it. So I, I do understand and I get all of that personally, though. I think it was exactly that. It was a knee-jerk reaction. You know, I imagine being characterized as an experiment in any form was probably triggering for Simu. But as you guys said, I do consider the context of the issue, right? Bob Chapek was referencing the movie's release and not necessarily like the movie itself. He was just talking about the theatrical release. Now, I am curious in terms of maybe how the tone was used during the call, you know, because it does depend on how he said it. Like if Bob was like, oh, this movie is such a experiment. Then, then yeah, I'd be, then I'd be like, all right, fuck you, dude. No, no, I listened. I listened to the audio. Yeah, the transcript specifically said the release is an experiment. Yes, you could hear the audio because it was a it was a earnings call, so it was recorded and things like that. Yeah, it's a, that's a different story, right? So I think it wasn't. He didn't mean harm about that, and and I'm glad it didn't really blow up that much i think it was again more so publicity and marketing well i'll tell you this for for me having to prepare slide decks for investor relations and for earnings calls it is a very dry meeting there's like zero emotion it's boring as fuck it's, it's really fucking boring okay so so they just try um, to make earnings call exciting again is that what that was going on <laughs> the media oh or make earning calls exciting again okay great got it <laughs> Uh, speaking of Simu, though, Renee, I love the little tidbit that you did find about them that you just wanted to make sure to to shout out. To so I already out. plugged. You guys already know I have much love for the soundtrack. I already plugged it. If you guys haven't already listened to it, Spotify has an enhanced version where Rich Brian actually comes in and he talks a little bit about the making of this album. So check it out. But one of the last songs on that album is actually sung by Simu Liu. So if you haven't seen his TikToks and his uh, Instagram stories where he's playing guitar, playing ukulele, playing piano and singing, you're missing out. This wow, guy so is fire. He uh, is sung um, Hot Soup, which is about his um, undying love for his, his deceased mother. Mm. And he said himself, when he first heard the demo of it, he cried. There's so much emotion. And when you listen to him you don't even know that it's him. It's so well produced by 88 Rising. You guys got to check it out. Hot Suit, yeah. listen to Simu Lu, croon, and you will swoon already. Nice. Um, if the depth of his eight pack 
does not erase. <laughs> mm. Okay, so I want to end it and uh, close it out with this last segment here. So I am curious in terms of your guys' thoughts on where Shang-Chi will fit into the larger MCU storyline as we are starting to really get uh, through phase four because Loki, Black Widow, Falcon and Winter Soldier, I'm missing, am I missing one? Oh, um, uh, WandaVision. WandaVision. Those are all still connected to the Avengers Infinity Saga. So I think they were definitely closing out in terms of the fallout of the endgame. But Shang-Chi is, is the first one that's like jump-starting yep. off into phase four. So any thoughts in terms of where it's going to fit? We mentioned Katie was called in too. There was the post credit scene. Again, you should have seen it. So post credit scene with Captain Marvel and Hulk. Any thoughts? It was Bruce Banner in this particular instance. Oh, yeah, that's right. It was yeah. Bruce Banner. So not Hulk, but yeah. Which was interesting because at the end of Endgame, or in Endgame, he talked about how he fused Hulk with Bruce Banner. But how did he get back into Bruce Banner? So that's definitely to be seen. Yeah, it probably has to tie in a She-Hulk somehow. Um, mm. Yeah, possibly. But I'll take my first stab on how this fits into the larger MCU universe. So in phase four, they're definitely going to go into the introduction of the multiverse. Uh, now having uh, Wong's character be kind of the catalyst of bringing all these individuals together. I, I do think what's the importance of Shang-Chi's character is that he's going to be, I wouldn't say like the lead of the lead, but he will be involved in fighting the next big baddie. Now, whether the internals is like, you know, like the problem is that the Eternals are fighting enemies that are so much larger than just Shang-Chi's right. like character arc. I don't know how he's going to fit, but I, I do think they're going to try to center it around like the next new age of the quote unquote new Avengers. So, right. Um, I, I don't know how he's going to fit because he would get his ass kicked by the Eternals, but <laughs> excuse you. It's just the reality. They're like the galactic force, right? So it's well, here's just, the thing. You, uh, yeah, I mean, the original Shang-Chi is like his superpower is hand-to-hand combat. Mm -hmm. The Ten Rings, like the Ten Rings itself, was uh, in the comics were actual finger rings, right? So they changed that. They changed it into like bracelets. And they were owned by the Mandarin, which, again, kind of true in the movie. Shang-Chi having the ten, ten Rings basically boosts him into this higher level of fighting to be able to compete with. No, because he was able to, to Kamehameha shit. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's right. I was going to say, I was going to say, like, uh, Shang-Chi was the Dragon Ball movie we didn't, that we needed. <laughs> There's no such thing as Dragon Ball Evolution. <laughs> I'm, I'm erasing that. I will oh, not man. claim that. Um, and, you know, while Game of Thrones finally had one really good dragon scene, you couldn't even fucking see it, okay? Because <laughs> it was so fucking dark. Yeah. So this is finally the dragon fight that we all wanted. So how is it going to um, piece together? I really feel like Shang-Chi with uh, the powers of the Eternals and all of that stuff. There's probably, the, they already, oh, and if you haven't watched it yet, watch What If? Because What oh, If yeah, is definitely great. something that is setting you up for the, this multiverse faceted aspect of, of what's to come with Phase 4. So yeah, I definitely, <laughs> I really liked it. Um, I really think that it really is tying all of them together. And I think actually Loki is probably is definitely part of phase four of the multiverse oh right? yeah yeah for sure yeah i i think chang chi's connection and parallel to with tony stark so i feel mm. that chang chi is going to be the next tony stark in a sense where he really is the jumping point that will connect all the different superheroes the new avengers as you say um and being a key component in terms of like the the war in the multiverse. It's like, he's going to be like the common denominator because the linkages were pretty apparent in the movie with the Mandarin callback, Trevor Slattery being connected with Iron Man 3. And then there's the image of Stark Tower on the, on the wall when mm -hmm. um, his auntie was kind of going through the history of time. Mm -hmm. And then there's also when, I'm forgetting her name, but Michelle Yeoh's character, she kept mentioning, she's like, oh, we came, we came here to defend your universe. They're very aware that there's a multiverse out there. So I do think Shang-Chi is going to be like a very, very central character. Uh, definitely Kang is going to be the next big baddie, I would yeah. think. I don't know how Contessa, Valentina, the super long <laughs> name, uh, Julia Louis-Dreyfus is 
character. She's going to be like the next like Nick Fury where she's kind of like mm. the sh- the shadowy kind of rogue organization where she's like drafting people to do whatever that she wants to do that's kind of like borderline good or bad we don't know drafting she's gonna start trading some heroes yeah yeah Yeah. she's already getting she already has the agent and she already is uh recruited black widows yeah she's she recruited black widow's sister so there's a lot of little easter eggs that are like sprinkled throughout but i do think shang chi is going to be like that that central character again i don't know where katie is gonna fit also i kind of feel like the onboarding process for being an Avenger is super, super easy. I mean, there's no, yeah. like, what's the... Where's the fighting test? Where's the written test? Or you show up to orientation. What's the interview like, okay. process? Because Spider-Man got, he was an Avenger just by Tony Stark doing the little knighting yeah. thing. I'm like, that's it? That's all it takes? <laughs> it's like, you're an Avenger. I'm like, oh, that's it? There's no paper like, that work is to not sign? That, yeah. Like, where's the W-2 that he has to fill out to be like, I have my, I'm an Avenger. Avenger now. It's it's an I what is ninety nine whatever it is. It's he's an independent contractor. Okay? They <laughs> oh, don't employ them That's full true. time. So the okay. Avengers are taking the Uber and Lyft route. Exactly. Okay, but, right. But, but see, since they're independent contractors, they're gonna need to unionize. Where's the yes. union? Okay. I'm gonna need to make sure I'm gonna go in there and be like the labor union person and be like, listen, yeah. if you want security after the superhero life, come talk to me. Yeah, there needs to be some hazard pay here. <laughs> Yeah. It's so funny that you guys said that because if you did watch uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier, that basically is talking about how Falcon's character doesn't have money. He basically has to rely on the charity of people mm-hmm. because they, he doesn't get paid to be a superhero. So like exactly. literally, literally, they're going to the Uber route. <laughs> they need some better negotiating skills if they're going to like start saving people. They really do. Right, exactly. Just, you know, you shouldn't have to um, open up a GoFundMe account when every time after a battle that you need to repair your suits, right? <laughs> but then also, like, these superheroes are causing billions of dollars of damages it's by true. throwing That's an enemy true. through a building. So you're like, dude, what the fuck? Mm. So. <laughs> Apples and oranges. <laughs> uh, well, thank you so much, guys. Love watching Shang-Chi. I'm excited to see what's going to be uh, in the future for the MCU. Thank you, everyone, for listening to another episode of Real Asian Podcast. We shall catch you next time. Hiya! What? <laughs> <laughs>